traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions. Entertaining and informative. Hello. I never really am curious, but what's the temperature out there? It was cold this morning. This is supposed to be May. It feels like March, at least in New York City. Uh, Don't quite understand that. I don't really remember what happened last May. I'm pretty much oblivious to the weather. Most people spend their lives wondering, talking about the weather. Uh, No, not me. But what the hell is the temperature right now? 63 degrees. Well, it ought to have been 63 degrees this morning uh, at about, what time did I, uh, 7 o'clock or so. When I went running, I had to move the car, which I would not have gone running if I did not have to move the car. And it was one of those, you know, if it's parked past 7 o'clock, you will get the car towed, and they mean business in my neighborhood. So I got the hell out there, drove it down to the garage, and then ran back. I feel like a champion. Also, also, the in-laws are in town. I am one of, remember for 20 years, like every almost like 40% of all comedy had uh, guys making fun of their in-laws. My in-laws are the greatest people. They are really fabulous. Uh, we love having them around. They're going to be here uh, only for two weeks. I, I, I wouldn't mind if they stayed for two months. They were here for uh, about six weeks the last time. They come all the way from Australia. Great people. Uh, good at conversation. Good at food shopping. <laughs> uh, uh, they excel at that, actually. Uh, so there's always you know tasty treats around that I can't eat under normal circumstances. Anyway, welcome to the Menahams. They are... Uh, here in New York, and uh, uh, that's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, what else is going on uh, all weekend long? Oh, boy, liberals. Oh, they have never felt so distressed about this Roe v. Wade thing, and they're standing up for women and girls. Women and girls, this is horrible for women and girls, this decision. That's not even a decision yet. No, it's the worst thing for women and girls. Hey, let's be honest about uh, getting pregnant. Um, you got to be pretty stupid, pretty dumb, and maybe unlucky to find yourself pregnant these days if you don't want to be pregnant. And this is for the guys, too, by the way. This is for the fellas as well. The two of you together. If there's an unwanted pregnancy, when we know how many means of birth control do we have, all right? There's plenty. There's even a pill for the man, I've heard. There's all kinds of things that can be done to get pregnant with all this. I Somebody told me the other day there's an app. There's an app that you kind of track your cycle on. Is it true that women can only get pregnant like one and a half days a month, two and a half tops? Well, just don't have sex on those days. No, look, I am sorry, but this the, the uproar that we are having or seeing is disingenuous, i.e. phony, over the top, Um, And it's not addressing some basic realities of life. Don't get pregnant initially. I mean, I'm sorry. Oh, how dare you? Abstinence is an option. Oh, my God. How do you? No, it is. It is. It really is. 
And uh, if that is not an option that you're going to take, there are all kinds of other things, all right? You know, from and it, condoms are the first step. Now, what's the big deal? I know, yeah, nobody likes condoms. But there are other things that can be done. And, oh, by the way, there are other things to do that are, can I say this, fulfilling for both parties. Okay? I mean, it's just, I don't understand these idiots who are running into churches and disrupting things, blaming people who had nothing to do with that Supreme Court. Did you see this? It's happening in New York. It's happening across the country. They put on those dopey bathrobes from The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale. Every woke woman loves The Handmaid's Tale. I actually liked it, too, season one. You know about this? It's like a dystopian vision of the future. I forget what happens. I turned it off after the first season. I well, Did you ever see that show? It's like only certain women can get pregnant, and it's got to be authorized, and it's this, that, and the other thing, and it's weird, but it's very entertaining. Right up until when they got to Fenway Park, and they had this weird mock execution scene. I said, I do not need any more of this TV show. Thank you very much. I'm a very sensitive person. I like I like scary movies to a point. This was over the top. So they're wearing these goofy outfits trying to say that, oh, Mike Pence is threatening my uterus and yelling and screaming and um, just over the top, unnecessary. And, oh, by the way, illegal. <clears throat> Running into a church, hysterical, that's illegal. It's got to be, right? Even running in front of Justice Roberts' house is, I believe, illegal. Even doing that to Justice Kavanaugh. Now, I'm giving them plenty of latitude. If you want to shoot your mouth off outside of a public official's house, I think that's your right. Although, letter of the law, and I'm looking into this, apparently you're not supposed to do it to judges because that could be seen as uh, trying to influence their decision, intimidation. There are safeguards against that, except, however— when it's uh, conservative judges going against Roe v. Wade, then uh, forget about it. The, the the police department, the new woke police, some of them, the woke police chiefs, and there are plenty of them out there, by the way, will facilitate these kinds of protests because we must, we must uphold the right to an immediate abortion anytime from conception to nine months to the, to the on the way to the, are you insane? You know, this was not part of our history. 1973. Wasn't that long? I was I was alive. I was a little tyke, but I can actually remember moments in 1973. If I really hard concentrate, I remember getting up and I saw my mother made a beautiful banner. I will never forget it. It's like it just said five. I was five years old, December 17, 1973, and it had big like stars, like, you know, it was like a big deal, a big poster that said five, and it was on the windowsill. Um, and it was just great. I'll never forget it. And I think about what was happening in history. I was alive celebrating my fifth birthday. Richard Nixon was hanging on for dear life at the White House. I guess we had already passed Roe, but I was just wrapped up in my fifth birthday. Um, so this is, um, I think it's actually in the long, it's, it's good for America. Hey, I heard, and I have to check this out because I find it, it's very hard for me to get my hands around. But do you know that there are more abortions of black fetuses, black, yes, black mothers, black fetus, than there are births of black children in New York City? 
Now, when I heard that, I said, that's got to be wrong. I don't believe that. I said, I don't believe that. Show me the numbers. Well, they're showing me the numbers, and it looks like I was wrong. They're right. Now, what the hell kind of culture is this? And there were people, by the way. I think Charlie Rangel may have been one of them early in his congressional career who was gravely concerned about abortion and the direction it might go. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm starting to figure out what his concerns may have been. Hey, by the way, did you know Charlie Rangel was the one pushing Republican presidents to declare a war on drugs? It's true. He wanted the war on drugs. He wanted to be made a national priority because it was killing inner city youth, and it still is. But now we find out that the war, what do they say? Is It's all racist. It's all, um, it was a, a plot to mass incarcerate as if they were just going out and, and rounding up people. They are getting, <laughs> I think they would like to pretend they live in China or they live in the old Soviet Union or something like that. We're just not like that. We aren't. Oh, by the way, hey, do we have the firefighter who is on the front uh, stoop of the church yelling and screaming? He may or may not have been a firefighter. I like this guy. Over the weekend, some New York City firefighters were protecting uh, churches around New York because nutjobs said they wanted to go in and ruin mass because of this Roe v. Wade thing. So it was happening all over the place. One firefighter and his friends stood on the stoop and started saying, yeah, you're not coming in here, and yeah. And I guess they got a little bit politically incorrect, and they weren't exactly right on the law, but they're absolutely right in what they're doing. I mean, we are allowed to peacefully assemble and celebrate Mass, right? We are. You can't come in with your silly outfit and disrupt the... There are laws against that. So... There's a guy in a FDNY shirt. Now, he might be an EMS worker. Maybe he's a firefighter. Maybe he's not. I like him. Did he say everything that was correct? Do you have this clip? Do me a favor. Let me get it for you. It's right under my Twitter. If you go to Greg Kelly USA, and he's all upset, but he's kind of giving them a hard time. And it's a great moment. It's really, I like what he stands for. Now, he gets a few things wrong. Okay. Yep, here it is. Acre Kelly USA. Da 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 da. Um, they all want this guy fired, and I say no. Isn't that amazing? They're picking on some guy. He's a civil servant, and we've got professors at Ivy League colleges saying he should be fired because he said, "I think the worst thing he said." No, it's not your body anymore. Well, in a way, he's right about that because the unborn child. If you want to kill it, well, we say no. That's actually human life. And if that's your intent, that's not okay with us. Okay? So it's okay. I understand where he's coming from. He's a rank-and-file New York City firefighter, we think. And now they're coming after him. All right? We have professors. We have activists. We have academics. We have this, what's her name again? Amy Siskind. Siskind, Siskind, you know who she is? She's a big mouth, uh, far left, uh, everybody's secretly gay uh, kind of person, right? This is the agenda she she pushes. And she loves talking about, uh, well, being gay all day long. Now, she has the luxury to do this, by the way, because, well, she went to the best schools, 
And for 20 years after college and business school, she made millions of dollars on Wall Street. So now she can just kick back, uh, shoot her mouth off, pretend she's a big shot on Twitter, and go after uh, anonymous firefighters who are exercising their right to free speech. Tatiana Ibrahim was right. This is still America, ma'am. You're allowed to go out and say whatever you want. And if you don't agree, Amy Siskind, that's, isn't that kind of cool? Isn't that what it's about? Why the hell are you trying to threaten his livelihood? Get a little, uh, hey, it's Monday morning. Nothing's going on. Let's get a little cancel culture going. Let's see if we can cancel somebody. You know, it's one thing if you want to cancel Alec Baldwin. I mean, after all, he's a racist, sexist, homophobic pig who murdered somebody. And oh, by the way, he's rich. But I see you taking your foot off the gas pedal when it comes to Alec Baldwin. And you're back to the no-name, no-name deplorables that you despise. Well, you know what? I take great pleasure in your contempt. I really do. We're going to win. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. This is The Greg Kelly Show. Hey, congratulations to the uh, the horse and the the driver, uh, the the jockey. Who was it? Little Rock, little little guy, little who? You know anybody? You guys know? I'm looking at two guys. You guys don't know? How about that guy? Anybody know? Never mind. Oh, you're googling it. Don't worry. I want it, it's it's okay. Uh, anyway, congratulations to the horse. I guess two weeks he comes to uh, Belmont. I've never been that interested. Uh, I once went to an OTB parlor. That'll turn you off from horse racing for the rest of your life, okay? Nobody wants to No, Nobody wants. Oh, here's that firefighter that I like, and here he is, I guess. Um, he's in front of a church. It's in New York City. There's a huge, there's a huge uh, crowd of pro-abortion people, protesters. Uh, they're all crazy. They're all really saying ugly, vile things. And he has a few things to say in response. Again, he's standing on the church steps to keep them from coming in, and they warned that they were going to do that, and they did that throughout the country. Can I hear what he said, please? All right, this is this has everybody upset, except me, by the way. I think it's fine. Go ahead. So the thing that uh, he's, he's on solid ground until he says, your body is mine. I don't think he's being literal. I mean, forgive me, but that's kind of like saying, your ass is mine. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm in charge here. You know, you're going to fire a guy for that? Uh, the, the fire department is conducting an investigation now. We are conducting a thorough investigation. Well, why are they doing that? I've, he, he, he's allowed to say whatever he wants. He wasn't threatening anybody. He wasn't. You can say that that's a threat. Okay. Well, you can say it. You'd be wrong. Uh, the uh, let me let, let, can we do it one more time? I know there's all those other people in the background. It's kind of annoying, but one one more time because it's important we establish exactly what he says. Go ahead. Hey, not the church, not the state, the people, most disorder. 
the people. I am the people. The people have decided. The court has decided. You lose. You have no choice. Not your body. Not your choice. Your body is mine, and you're happy Not your body. Not your choice. Your body is mine. Okay, fine. Look, he's not the king. Yeah, it's not like uh, it, it, it's not like Trump said this or Bill de Blas. I mean, it's just a guy on a stoop. And now they are going insane trying to find who this guy is. Did they fire him yet? Why? Why is the FDNY remaining silent? Okay, so now we have our fire department, and there's a woke commissioner. What's her name? Do me a favor. Can you find that out? The name of the fire department commissioner. I believe it's a woke woman. I, quite frankly, right here and now, I am going to question her firefighting credentials, even though I don't know anything about her. Her name is Laura Cavanaugh. All right. Now watch this. Watch this blow up in my face. What are her firefighting credentials? I mean, maybe she's got them, and I'll, uh, but maybe not. Something tells me no, but go ahead. Just go ahead and read what you're reading. She's the acting head of the, the acting commissioner. Does it say anything about uh, where she came from? Now, while you look at that, I'll tell you the statement the, the FDNY put out about that. A video circulating from a protest in Manhattan over the weekend shows an individual wearing an FDNY sweatshirt. The individual in the video is not a member of the FDNY. Okay, end of story. By the way, even if he was, but they go on. They go on. Here's where the woke stuff kicks in. Here's where our woke commissioner takes over. The comments made do not represent the views of the FDNY. Well, what the hell are the views of the FDNY? Uh, You know, as far as I'm concerned, the views of the FDNY should be anti-fire. Okay? Be against fire. Be Be for more money, more firehouses, more resources for the firefighters. But uh, as far as having views on hot-button social issues... Uh, individual members can say and think whatever the hell they want. Got it? And, oh, by the way, wearing a firefighter sweatshirt is not wearing a uniform, okay? If I wear a Knicks T-shirt, nobody thinks I'm a representative of the Knicks. This guy was obviously off-duty. The matter is under investigation. The comments do not represent the views of the FDNY. See? That's what happens all the time. The overreaction and the complete, um, I guess, giving in to the to the mob, the complete capitulation to the mob. All right. So, who is this uh, commissioner character? What is her actual background? Well, she was a former top aide to ex mayor Bill De Blasio. Oh, there we go. Okay, right there. So she never climbed a ladder. She never uh, held a hose. No, uh, I don't think she's. Um, I don't think she's a firefighter, right? Is there anything? Does she have any background in this stuff whatsoever? It says she joined the FDNY nearly eight years ago. Has? Communication specialist? Does uh, not say. just says that she was a, a top aide. To political do- watchdog. It sounds to me like she got a uh, cushy job. She occasionally filled in for Commissioner Nigro when he was out of town previously. Well, all right. She's not a firefighter. She no. doesn't know how to put fires out. She doesn't, she's never gone into a burning building. She's never rescued anybody. But she's putting out bangers like this. A video circulating from a protest in Manhattan over the weekend shows an individual wearing an FDNY sweatshirt. The individual in the video is not a member of the FDNY. How do you know that already? 
Why the hell are you hunting down people who are ex- exhibiting, exercising First Amendment rights? Free speech, baby. But comments do not represent the views of the FDNY. Can we get the commissioner on the phone and ask what the views are on Roe v. Wade for the FDNY? It's not your business. You know, <laughs> the firefighters, by the way, are basically 90% for Trump. 90%. And the 10% who aren't for Trump, that's fine, too. It's, it's This is America, baby. It still is. By the way, I'm being hassled left and right. That's okay. I can take it. I know who these people are. I can play the game better than they can. Amy Siskind. Amy Siskind is now reaching out to Senator Gillibrand. Greg Kelly wrote a tweet. He seems to know where I live. <laughs> He's threatening my family. No, I am not threatening anybody's family. I don't want anybody's family harmed or anything to happen to anybody. I just happen to have a vague idea that she lives off in the sticks in the country. And she's, oh, she's been coming for me and my family. No, I'm not. We're not. We're coming for your ideas. They're crummy, and we'll fight them in the public square, baby. You got a problem with that, toots? I'll be right back. listening to the Greg Kelly show. Hey, uh real quick, 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Eric, Eric, is Eric there? Eric is in Manhattan. Hi Eric, what's up? Uh, hi. Uh I had a comment about the firemen like it wouldn't be you see it wouldn't be such an uproar if, if it was a woman. You know, like I used to have the attitude like you know, you can't say anything. I'm, I'm fine so I don't it, Necessarily, it's not a good choice, but life is a choice too. But you know, I can't say anything now. I, I thought, well, this is America. Like, it's not Saudi Arabia. You can't tell someone not to have an opinion, you know, based on their gender. You know, it, it came up at my last job once. I mean, so I mean, I, I don't know. Oh, and Adams, uh, he can't let this guy get fired. That's it for him. I mean, you think? You know? Uh, yeah. Look, first things first. You said that thing about women can say certain things that men can't. That is actually. A hundred percent true on the left, on the left. Now, I was um, – they waged a kind of a coordinated counterattack on me on Twitter, which is such a joke, by the way, a counterattack. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. I, I do kind of laugh at this stuff. I, I've i been in real war, you know. I mean, I've been in an invasion of a country. Uh I've flown jets over combat zones. I'm just, you know, Twitter, a Twitter war. So let's put that in perspective. But they were all yelling and screaming about me because what did I do? Oh, Amy Siskind, who's some beloved uh, lefty, and uh, she's all woke and she's uh, all up in arms about Roe and, uh, whoa, women and girls, they're coming for you. That's what she's pushing. She, some liberal named Paul Begala says, you know, maybe we shouldn't be bothering Justice Kavanaugh at home. It's not a good look. And that's a fair point. And she says, your job right now is to shut up and listen and amplify women. Amplify women. And, oh, she said, and as a white man, your job is to shut up and listen and amplify women. Now, what the hell does his being white have to do with it? What does... I found it incredibly offensive. And this is an educated person. She went to college. She went to business school. She made money on Wall Street. 
and she's telling people to shut up because of their skin color and their gender. It's both offensive. It's actually, in a weird way, more offensive than because you're a white man. I just, I can't, the ignorance is staggering. And I'm sorry, what was the other thing you brought up at the end? It's different. Sorry about the, the house question or, oh, and I said, you don't hear from Paul Begala anymore. No, forget <laughs> him. That was the other thing you said. You said something else that was interesting. Um, that we're not Saudi Arabia and, and, you know, I used to just be meek and just, well, you know, I'm not saying anything, but mm. I, then I grew up, it's like, why, why shouldn't I have an opinion on that? Because I'm a male, you know what I mean? But I was on the left too. I'm a Trump Democrat. So it was like, oh, oh I said, um, it came up at work once and someone started to tell me, you know, Oh, well, you can't, you can't say this, you can't say that. I'm like, well, no. Um, wait, wait, well, one thing about work. It does behoove you to not get involved in political conversations at work. I mean, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be focused on work. I have no time to, well, I guess I'm shooting my mouth off about politics all the time. But strangely enough, it's only in this session of my day. I deal with all kinds of people all the time, and we don't talk about politics. We talk about the mechanics of producing a show as opposed to, you know, I think that the Roe v. Wade decision, I'm so glad it was thrown out. And that's how I feel. But I'm not going to test the waters with somebody who might disagree when it doesn't matter what his opinion or her opinion is or mine is. We just got to make sure that, you know, this tape is ingested correctly or, you know, this file gets to so-and-so in time or it's filled out correctly. You know what I mean? So I don't know about that, to be honest. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, you all don't want to get in trouble at work or offense, or offense somebody. It can get heated at work, you know, a political conversation. Yeah, but then again, we yeah, can't I be looking understand. over our shoulder all the time, and that's what the left wants. That's what they want. Uh, oh, you mentioned Adams and firing this guy. Uh, it would be stupid. Um, I want to put it past Adams because he's very dumb. And as Rudy Giuliani said over the weekend, he is the worst mayor in the history of mayors, he is so unbelievably bad. We've never seen this kind of incompetence, even with de Blasio. And I told you guys about this. I warned you about this. And here he is. He can't do anything because he knows absolutely nothing. Hey, I want to say this, by the way, about Ed Koch. Thanks, Eric. Ed Koch, big story in the New York Times over the weekend. He died, by the way, 10 years ago. Ed Koch, the late, great Ed Koch. I hear they want to change the name of the Ed Koch Bridge, the old 59th Street Bridge. They want to change it back to the 59th Street Bridge. It's been the Ed Koch Bridge for about seven years. And it was a perfect bridge for Ed Koch. You know, a sturdy, you know, very New York kind of bridge, as he's a very New York kind of guy. How am I doing? You know, I loved all that stuff. I did. And I liked him a lot. I met him first time in the, actually, I remember where I was. It was the deck of the John F. Kennedy aircraft carrier in 1986 for the centennial of uh, the Statue of Liberty. And I just, he was, he was an amazing guy. He made some mistakes as mayor, but he did some good things as mayor. And I thought he had common sense. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he spoke at the Republican, at a, a Republican convention or two. I want to, Check me on that. I'm not. I think he did. But anyway, so he died 10 years. What does the New York Times do? He's gay, everybody. Just so you know, he was gay. And this was his boyfriend at that time. And this was his boyfriend at this time. And he wanted a boyfriend at that time. And he really didn't like Bess Meyerson. It was just we knew all this, by the way. We knew all of this. We knew probably actually I remember wondering about it. Is he asexual? Is he whatever? But who cares? And here's the thing. He obviously wanted this stuff. 
Well, out of the public eye. Private. So they're outing him now. They're outing him. Outing used to be a bad thing. You don't want to out somebody who doesn't want to be outed. You don't talk about somebody's sexuality, quite frankly, ever, unless they want to talk about it. I think that's fair. Whether they're gay, straight, whatever the hell it's going on. So many people are really out there. So many people think that it makes them special, whether they like boys or girls or both or whatever. Or not. <laughs> that's what that's that's their claim to fame. Little do they know, it's not. It's it it it's nothing. It doesn't bring anything to the table. Now what? Now what are you going to do? Now that we've established your orientation, now what? Anyway. Ed Koch uh, didn't want this discussed, and now it's discussed in his beloved New York Times. He loved the New York Times. When he was alive, the New York Times was not crazy like it is now. He was right, by the way. The New York Times used to have this thing. It was called the Metropolitan Report for the for the local news. And then they, then they called it the Metro Section, and he hated it, and so did I. This is one of the things I liked about Koch. He talked about things that people were talking about. You know what really stings? You know, uh, you know what really... Um, when the movie theaters went up, they went, got way too expensive in Manhattan. He organized a campaign against it. I just liked him. My father worked with him rather extensively. Um, uh, he also, by the way, wanted my father to be mayor. And he said so publicly. He wanted my father to succeed Mike Bloomberg. And he said so publicly. I think he officially endorsed Christine Quinn. But he said, just so you know, she's my second choice because I really would like Ray Kelly to be the mayor. Uh, anyway, I appreciate that. I also appreciate how I got to attend a very special dinner. You know, he had a he had some health issues over the years. And uh, what happened to him? He had a, I think it was either. A, I know he had a stroke when he was in office, but he had a big heart attack at some point, And he totally changed his diet. And they told him no steak for a year. Maybe it was two years. Anyway, he totally recovered. He lost a lot of weight. And after the end of the two years, guess what he did? He threw a great big party for all the doctors who helped save his life. And he invited certain friends, family. I was in the crowd. And it was at Peter Luger's Steakhouse. After all those years of not having steak, he said, now it's time to have steak. And uh, I just, uh, I always remember that. Got to interview him several times when I was at New York One, went up to his office, his law office on 6th Avenue. I did get the sense that he was possibly on the lonely side. Um, but just a great life. World War II veteran. He didn't want to talk about his sexuality in public. And to the extent that he did, I believe he denied he was gay. At one point, I do remember he said, you know, I happen to be heterosexual, and that's that. Whether he was conflicted or not, that's his business. But the New York Times, now, oh, boy, if only Ed Koch had come forward, that would have inspired, uh, you know, some gay kid in the Bronx or something like that. You know, like, oh, yeah, you're letting somebody else down. He had no responsibility in that regard to anybody but himself. And I can't stand this posthumous correction that we see and he can't say anything about it of course ed is on the phone he's uh in babylon hello ed what's our number here again uh never mind ed what's up the uh, 1-800 uh <laughs> yeah it's 800-972-9222 i should know that by now what's up on the back of your hand 
Uh, you have two great qualities. You got you got balls and a sense of humor. I'll tell you. Uh, mm. I met Ed at a medical conference years ago. A gentleman, my dad, a fireman, and I got to say, who cares about wives more than firemen? You know, my dad had a he had a military career, first sergeant in the Army Air Corps, came back and he still wanted to save lives and cared about them. And I I had I dated three ladies who all had abortions at some point in their life and they all regretted it. Oh my goodness, three separate, have... really? Yeah, it's well, it's always they're... jarring when you find that out, isn't it? It's like really, wow. Yeah, recently, and a, a person was a friend uh, that I, I talked to, and she just came out with us, and she said, you know, she goes, well, I, I made my peace with God, and you know, I'll see the baby again, you know, in heaven, or uh, you know, one 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 girl was raped by a physician uh, uh, with the hospital she worked at. She took Eesh. her up to like. A floor that was being built and oh. massively raped her. Um, but you know, they all—they all being mothers, they all have this sanctity for life. And you I mean they later—they what... later became mothers? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even when they man, were... this is a hell of a lot of information. But uh, I appreciate it. Well, so uh, gee whiz. All right, what happened next? It's medical, you know. Uh, but, you know, you see that they had a sanctity for life. And then, even then, maybe having kids, they said, you know, I would have had one more and treated them just as special as the ones. I don't know what happens in these clinics, how they, you know, how they, um, what do they do? They, uh, they uh, guide them into it and say it'll all be okay. Even physicians who I guess couldn't have a gynecology practice became these you know, hacking doctors doing these abortions. Well, you know, I saw over the weekend, and I've never seen this before, never. Um, I've seen vocal abortion rights proponents out there, like, mocking and degrading unborn children, saying horrible things. Maybe you saw that lady in the bathing suit with the doll running all over the place. I mean, really shockingly vulgar, evil statements being made. Uh, this is not going to uh, help their cause. It's just, it was, I, I've never seen anything like it. Man, oh, man. Hey, Ed, what about you? What do you do? Uh, well, I'm a nuclear medicine technologist, but uh, I'm the guy that also taught Dale Carnegie. I, I talked to you once about, uh, oh, you read How yeah. to Stop Worrying, How to Start Living. Your brother did, uh, took the course. But uh, Well, give know, us a tip I, from that course. Give us a tip. That's a great course. Give us a tip. What's the takeaway? Most people can't enroll in the course. What's something we can do? Well, one thing you can do is to be a good conversationalist, ask other people questions. Because I was a shy kid, and I got this book in my sister's bookshelf, and it changed my life. I, you know, ask you, how's your day going, Greg? And really be interested sincerely, you know. And also, if you're having a bad day, just compartmentalize right there. Build a wall and start your day over. Because some people go through the whole day and a week with a scowl because of something that happened. You know, I like it, that uh, about uh, compartmentalization and also asking questions. It's very liberating. It's very, it's a great escape. But the key is you gotta you gotta genuinely be interested in the answer. If you ask a question and you're looking at your phone six seconds later, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So. Ed, I appreciate it. Keep in touch. I got to take a very quick break. Oh, and when we come back, the ultimate wussy, the ultimate swamp guy. What's his name again? Mark, the former Secretary of Defense under Trump, Mark Esper. 
what a disaster, what a wimp, and what a scandal that no one's talking about, actually. This guy got himself in a lot of trouble last night on 60 Minutes. I'll tell you when I get back. Greg Kelly. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Hey, remember my in-laws I was telling you about? They just walked in the door. They're down the hall. We may have a little uh, little guest segment here. In the meantime, oh, that that terrible, uh, nobody, geek, swamp creature who I think could be brought up on charges, Secretary of Defense Mark Esper, who somehow is more uh, frazzled by a president holding a Bible in front of a church than he is... Um, a crew from Black Lives Matter uh, trying to burn down that church. In our wicked, warped society, somehow trying to burn down a church is more righteous than holding up a Bible in front of it. All right, so Esper is selling a book. Again, the former Secretary of Defense. Nobody knows what he looks like. Nobody knows who he is. I mean, Mark Esper. Granted, Trump uh, went through cabinet secretaries pretty quick, but uh, what did he say? Go ahead. You got one handy from 60 Minutes. He was on last night. Go ahead. What was the most disturbing thing that the president said during that meeting on June 1st? The president is ranting at, at the room. Uh, he's using a lot of, you know, uh, foul language. You know, you, you, you all are effing losers, right? And then he says it to the vice president, Mike Pence. He, he's using the same language and he's looking at Pence. He called Mike Pence an effing loser? He didn't, he didn't call him directly, but he was looking at him when he was saying it. And it really caught my attention. And I thought that... Same. We're at a different spot now. He's going to finally give a direct order to deploy uh, paratroopers into the streets of Washington, D.C., and I'm thinking with weapons and bayonets. And this would be horrible. What specifically was he suggesting that the U.S. military— Stop for a second. Was this guy in the military? He's so freaked out that the president is saying the F word? I served in the Marine Corps. I have used that word used in a— in many different ways, okay? It can be used as any type of, uh, it can be used as a verb. It can be used as a noun. It can be used as an adjective. It can be used as a preposition. It can be, a, <laughs> people get very creative with the F word. And suddenly, this guy is shocked. He's so shocked, he goes on to 60 minutes to tell that the president of the United States, hey, we've heard him say it at rallies, by the way. This is what the, the, this is what this guy has to deliver. All right, give me more of this. The president pulls me aside on at least a couple occasions and suggests that maybe we have the U.S. military shoot missiles into Mexico. Shoot missiles into Mexico for what? He would say to to go after the cartels. And we would have this private discussion where I'd say, Mr. President, you know, I I understand the motive because he was very serious about dealing with drugs in America. I get that. We we all understand. But I had to explain to him, we, we can't do that. It would violate international law. It would be terrible for our neighbors to the south that would, you know, impact us in so many ways. Why why don't we do this instead? You politely push back on the idea. Did President Trump really say no one would know it was us? Yes. Yes. He said that. And I I just thought it was fanciful, right? Because of course it would be us. I was reluctant to tell this story because I think I I thought people won't believe this, that they'll think I'm just making it up. All right, stop. And and he goes on and on about how somebody else heard it, some other cabinet secretary, and backed him up, and that's why he put it in the book. Number one, uh, that's why we like President Trump. He thinks outside the box. 
And maybe if he gets in there again, he'll take out that damned, uh, those cartels, right? Something's got to be done. Why not? Protect us from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Uh, fentanyl is an enemy. Mexican cartels, that's an enemy. We could have done it possibly in conjunction with the Mexican government. Anyway, it was just an idea. The president is allowed to have ideas and run them by his advisors. That's you, Mark Esper. Mark Esper. Mark seems to think that he's the principal, that he's the one in charge. You're not. You and Mark Milley, by the way, two Marks, out to undermine democracy. Those guys, those two, if there was a coup, they were running it. Absolutely. Looking to trip up, mess up our president in every turn. Is there anything else from this? All right, one more. Go ahead. It's important to our country. It's important to the republic, the American people, that they understand what was going on in this very consequential period. The last year of the Trump administration, and to tell the story about things we prevented, really bad things, dangerous things, that could have taken the country in a, in a dark direction. What kind of terrible things did you prevent? At various times, uh, during the, certainly the last year of the administration, you have folks in the White House who are proposing to take military action against Venezuela, uh, to, to, to strike Iran. At one point, somebody proposed we blockade Cuba. These ideas would happen, uh, it seemed, every, every few weeks. Something like this would come up. Stop. We'd have to... Taking military action against Iran is a strategic option and must remain one. You see, this little cubicle dweller, uh, he can't believe he's Secretary of Defense. And everybody apparently has convinced him that the president is a, you know, what's the worst thing you can call the president? He's a Nazi, right? I mean, it's so easy, by the way. In a way, this Mark Esper is a victim of the fake news. You sit around listening to the fake news all day long. You sit around uh, listening to Washington swamp rats, bureaucrats all the time. You're going to come up with an image of the president as a monster, perhaps, if you allow it. If you are an unsophisticated guy like this person clearly is, has no capacity for independent thought. He just goes with the flow. So Israel took military action against Iran. It may be necessary to take it again because that silly, ridiculous Iran nuclear agreement has put Iran on the fast track to uh, uh, create nuclear weapons. (laughs) I'd rather take a... I'd rather a strategic strike against Iran than Israel being removed from the map. Wouldn't you? Right? It would only take possibly as few as three nuclear warheads to remove Israel from the map. We can't let that happen. A blockade of Cuba. That's been done before. You know, Cuba was sending, like, horrible sound waves against our embassy. You know about this? They were essentially attacking our personnel at the embassy. Some of them have brain damage now. Now, of course, it's always downplayed. I mean, Barack Obama didn't want to talk about it. He was too busy uh, going to baseball games with Fidel Castro. He didn't want anything to get in the way of that party. These are things that should be considered at the presidential level. And of course, he's, this guy's just flabbergasted every time he turns around. Mark Esper. Close your eyes. Can you think of Mark Esper? What does he look like? Huh? No. Nobody knows who he is. We can remember McNamara. We can remember Rumsfeld. 
We can remember Casper Weinberger. There are giants who had this job. And then there's Mark Esper. Mark Esper and his book. Mark Esper will have a speaking engagement next month for $10,000. He's very excited. Mark Esper. Mark Esper. Yesper is what Trump called him, actually, because he was a yes man. And Trump, believe it or not, doesn't like that. Anyway, there's the music. The in-laws are gone. Phew. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. Uh, yes, it's me. And uh, ooh, hold on. All right. You're watching this uh, Pennsylvania race. We got a lot of listeners in Pennsylvania. And a lot of people were watching the rally on Friday night. Donald Trump was uh, out there stumping for Dr. Oz big time. And um, I think it's looking very good for Dr. Oz. It is a very competitive race, of course. But, uh, man, uh, this was intense. Uh, Not only did Donald Trump endorse Dr. Oz, but he totally ripped into uh, Dave McCormick. He does not like him. Called him a a Mitch McConnell, which is very bad. Said he's old China. Uh, Said he doesn't trust him, doesn't like him. It was was pretty good stuff. Uh, We'll have that in a moment. And what is going to happen there? Now, if you like Mitch McCormick, by all means, go with uh, go with a guy like uh, Mitch McConnell, I should say. Go with a guy like McCormick, who is very mainstream swamp. You know, very much like this Mark Esper, that Trump is something to be contained and managed so we can have fun, you know, cashing in and uh, pretending we're important. That's That's swamp. Make America Great Again is something totally different. Oh, and he did. He came right out and said that uh, Dave McCormick is not MAGA. I thought that was a pretty big deal. Um, All right. So we have that going on. And there's one other thing. Excuse me for a second. Oh, uh, my parents are listening all the way in Sicily. They're in Sicily right now. Safe, Safe travels. Did you see... Jill Biden went to Ukraine so Joe could stay home and uh, nobody would catch on to his various infirmities. You think we're not going to know that? I guess you can't send Joe out. I mean, who knows? He may have to say a big word and he'll, he'll, his brain will pop. So Jill is out there. You know, we had Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the U.K., walking the streets of Kiev with... Zelensky, you know, two warriors. We had uh, the prime minister of Poland, the prime minister of Romania, the prime minister of Slovakia, three Eastern European countries coming to the aid of Zelensky in the middle of Ukraine during a war. Uh, We even have Justin Trudeau, of all people, not known for his uh, spine, backbone or military bearing. Looks more like a ski bum slash playboy. He is, where the hell is he? He's in Ukraine. But as for America's presence, no. No, we send Jill Biden, Jill, Dr. Jill Biden, and she can share her cookies. She can share her cookies. She brought cookies. Cookies. I don't think that's what we're looking for. That's not leadership. You have to remember, again, this would not be happening if Donald Trump were still in office, just like Afghanistan would still be free If Donald Trump were there, it's that simple. 
he created a vacuum. So over the weekend, it came out that now the Taliban has mandated, re-mandated, all women will wear burqas. Burqas. It's like walking around with a hefty garbage bag over your head. Burqas. It's the law of a country. On the planet Earth, there is a major country, as backwards as it is, Afghanistan, that mandates that the women wear virtual hefty plastic trash bags over their head with little slits, not at the mouth, but at the eyes. How about that, huh? And, and I see Mika Brzezinski crying on TV because maybe someday it might be slightly more inconvenient for her daughters to get an abortion. I hope they never need an abortion, but sorry, Mika. You bring, it, you bring that out in me. All your phoniness and all those silly girl summits you have, those women and girls summits you have in the UAE. What's her little ridiculous project? Um, make, make us proud. Uh, know your value. Know your worth. Know your worth. Yeah, she's got a lot of worth. Sleeping with the boss. Yeah, that really, yeah, your stock did go up when you started hooking up with Joe. Yeah, no kidding. Right. She actually has the nerve to go out there and lecture women about knowing your value. And she talks about when her stock was up and her stock was down. And then she started, I'm sorry, excuse me, it's, a, it's regrettable and we all make mistakes and everybody's been there and, you know, all, you know, we've all failed in certain ways. But one thing I don't do about my failures is bang my chest and saying that it wasn't a failure and saying that it was a great thing. Now, she slept with the boss and becomes the boss's co-anchor, co-worker, right there. Is that insane? And then and then everybody celebrates this like this is beautiful. And they have these dumb little, you know, and they go to break. And they have these little cutesy pictures of Joe and Mika like they're the ultimate ideal couple. And they've been married for 30 years, 40 years. It's a disgrace. It should be handled discreetly. But to put her up. And she is, let's face it, she has nothing going on upstairs whatsoever. All she does is look at the look at the teleprompter and read, coming up next, Michael Barnacle joins us to tell us, like, anyone can do that. So, but they have her do it. I don't care that her father was the national security advisor to Jimmy Carter. And, oh, by the way, he wasn't much of a national security advisor, right? Did he have a hand in screwing up the Iran rescue mission? Because that was one hell of a screw-up. I was thinking about Jimmy Carter the other day. You know, his last day in office, he goes off like a loser. Same with George H.W. Bush going off like losers. And, you know, they lost. And they they didn't really want to do anything as president, especially George Herbert Walker Bush. He just wanted to be president. That's like the thing you're supposed to do when you grow up in Connecticut and your father's a senator and you got all the money. So you're supposed to dabble in politics. It beats, as he said in his own memoir, he didn't want to go to the golf course and drink martinis all afternoon. And good for him. He led quite a life. But it really was all about George H.W. Bush. You know, the vision thing? I, I guess I got to come up with a vision for the country. He thought that was beneath him. Like, he's a patrician. He's, he's important. He's blue blood. I mean, he went to Yale. He's skull and bones. Of course I'm the president. Well, it doesn't work that way anymore. It did for a long time, but it doesn't anymore. Uh, Yeah. 
I don't like that scene. I just, again, why am I upset? There are women who are being mutilated in Afghanistan. And nobody in this country gives a damn about it. And why don't we give a damn? Because if we did, it would embarrass Joe Biden. It would make Joe Biden look bad. What the hell is in it for them? I guess the woke left thinks they're going to get anything they want out of this weakling. So they keep pushing it. Does that make sense? Let me check in with, uh, well, he wants to talk about horses, I see. Owen. Owen is in Rockaway. Hello. Hey, Greg, how are you doing? Good. Uh, you were talking about horse racing. It was Rich Strike was the horse that won the Kentucky Derby at odds of 80 to 1. And the jockey was Sonny Leon. Wait, what? And when you talked about when you talked about OTB, yes, OTB is a terrible place. But there is a way. I've been I've been following the horses for over fifty years. I go to the track. It's the only time I bet is when I'm at the track to bet the horses live. And I taught my students that I did horse racing for grades. Horse racing for grades. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Would at, at some sort of like. Equestrian Academy or at PS19? No, no, no. I I, I was a history teacher, right? And on the last day of the semester, right, uh, I would, for extra credit, right, I would do horse racing grades. I I would have, I'd show a race, the odds, they would pick the horse. So if the the kids bet two points. (laughs) Oh, and what year was this in? I think, uh, sounds like Oscar Madison was teaching the class. What year was this? Uh, I was in Hawaii from 2004 to 2016. You did this in Hawaii? Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I never think of horse racing in Hawaii. They seem totally uh, incongruous. They have horses in Hawaii? No, there is no horse racing in Hawaii. There are horses, yes, but there are no, there's no horse racing. Oh, my gosh. So you went to the trouble of, like, taking them to a – you just went – what, you watch it on TV? Yeah. I, this sounds yeah. like there are all kinds of things you could have done for extra credit. This uh, – I don't know. Uh, d- did any of them get hooked? No, I well, I have talked to a few of them. Uh, I have about. Hey, stop that! Why did you teach in Hawaii for such a, you know, significant but finite amount of time? What was going on with you in Hawaii? Well, I, I retired from the transit authority. Uh huh. But I had gone I had gone back to school and gotten a master's degree in history. And when I retired, I moved to Hawaii, and I was able to get a job teaching at a Catholic school in Hawaii. That's pretty cool. You know, I've heard of this happening before. Guys retire, a lot of guys retire from the police department, and I think the age to join is much higher in Hawaii. And you've got former chiefs of police who go to Hawaii and they enroll as, like, patrolmen. I think there was a guy from D.C. who did that. Uh, Anyway, interesting. Where are you now? I'm in Rockaway. I I was born in Rockaway. What what did you like about Hawaii? What was the problem? No, I, I love Hawaii. Yeah, but uh, why'd you come back? Uh, my wife passed away, and uh, you know the whole family was here, and it was, uh, All right. it was the right thing to do to come home. All right, well, welcome back. And uh, yeah, look, uh, horse racing is not for me. That doesn't mean it's not for you or your students or anybody else. I just gave you my take on it. It's not something I've been. You know, I, it, it takes too long for me to get to Belmont when I'm there. They never. They never seem to be racing. You got to wait two hours for a race, and then it happens, and it's too far away. I. It's just not my thing. You understand? I gotcha. All right. And if you, if, uh, I, I am known now as the best dressed man in Rockaway. Who? The best dressed man in Rockaway. You? 
Yes. If you if you Google the best dressed man in Rockway, you'll see articles from the local paper that describe who I am. And all right. I all right. It. Well. All right. What's your who's your go to designer? Uh, I, you know, I, I get most of the suits. Uh, most of the suits are online. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. No. Well, I got to. I'll look at this online. The best mess. You know, it's a pretty limited pool you're talking about, Rockaway. I mean, it's a small population. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. I'm curious. The best mess dress. Point. All right, Owen. Thank you. I'm going to check it out. Thank you, pal. Speaking of uh, clothes, people are making fun of my clothes. Can you believe that? On Twitter, at Ray Kelly USA, I tried to say, uh, uh, what the hell happened here? Um, uh, uh, yeah, anyway, who cares? I shouldn't get so annoyed by getting picked on. On Hey, I do plenty of picking myself. Very quickly before we go. No, it's time. All right, it is time when we come back. Uh, oh, I think Dr. Oz is going to be joining us. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. This is the Greg Kelly Show. All right, it is the Greg Kelly Show, and I am uh, very excited about the United States Senate race in Pennsylvania. Now, I'm not officially endorsing anybody. I can't do that, but I can tell you that I've known Dr. Oz for a hell of a long time. I think I first met him in 2007 or so, and uh, I like him a lot. So does the president of the United States. He endorsed him. He went to the rally for Oz on Friday night, said really great things about Dr. Oz. And also, this is a kind of a first for Donald Trump. He ripped uh, Dr. Oz's Republican opponent, Dave McCormick. Uh, Now, McCormick is the kind of the the establishment candidate. You know, he's the... um, some people call him a rhino. I, uh, I've i heard that. Um, I'm not, I think it's safe to say I'm not a fan. And neither is Donald Trump. Let me hear uh, him give it to Dave McCormick the other night. Go ahead. You know that he was with a company that managed money for communist China. And he is absolutely the candidate of special interests and globalists and the Washington establishment. And those are the people that are not only spending millions and millions of dollars on his campaign, they have unlimited money to just try and destroy us. But they want to destroy this great warrior and a truly nice person. Not going to do it. And there are also the people that are ripping off the United States with bad trade deals, open borders, and every other thing that the people in this audience will never stand for. And you fully reject. You know that he was... And he goes on from there. He says Dave McCormick is not MAGA. Now, that's probably the worst thing you can say about somebody to a Trump crowd. Trump saying you are not MAGA. Dave McCormick from Trump, you are not Make America Great Again. But who is in Donald Trump's book is Dr. Mehmet Oz, who joins us on the phone, Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate. The primary is a week from tomorrow. Dr. Oz, how you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, the the scene of the great battle during the Civil War that would turn the tide. But 
these people are animated. They are upset about what uh, has been going on in Washington. Uh, I said on the on the dais when I was at the rally on Friday in Pittsburgh that the only thing Joe Biden has built back better is the Republican Party, <laughs> and it's a shocking truism because folks here, you know, they were not sure what to do and they were a little uh, confused about all the goings on. But over the last 15 months, they have regained a, a deep love for what was happening during the prior administration. They are passionate about energy policy because they know it'll reduce inflation. They're really upset about schools. They don't understand why woke ideology has to even involve their children who they want to protect as all parents do. And they're still upset about COVID. This, this town, Gettysburg, was really hurt badly. They, I came here last summer for a tour. It was the first tour the guide had given it in a year and a half. You're outdoors in a national park. It's not a high-risk COVID spreading center, unlike the press uh, club uh, dinner in Washington last week. This is an outdoor event in a national park, and they couldn't host anybody. That's pretty wild. Hey, Dr. Oz, look, I've never seen the president go after anybody like uh, a Republican. I've never seen him go after a Republican. I mean, maybe Mitch McConnell, maybe Mitt Romney, and now Dave McCormick, uh, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, Dave McCormick. He really laid into him the other night. He does not like him. He's not MAGA. Were you surprised he did that? What do you make of it? I think it it got him that a lot of the advertising was reprehensible. It was based on clear dishonest narratives, not dissimilar from what Democrats often do. I mean, Democrats lie better than Republicans tell the truth. So it does happen sometimes in general elections. But in a primary, for there to be 35 million spent uh, on uh, against me, and all these things were make-believe stories. I mean, just dig into them they, over and over and over again. It's just not right. So he started getting upset that uh, there, there was a classic uh, attacked by insiders, the establishment folks, wanting to take out an outsider, just like he had gone through in his own life when he was running for president in 2016. And so, you know, after a certain point, you reach a breaking point. You say, enough, I'm going to take you out because I know what you're up to. You're trying to buy a Senate seat for Wall Street in Washington. I'm not going to let you do it. Is Are you finding the same thing is happening to you that happened to Trump? I mean, Trump, you know, for a moment in time might have been seen a, a bit of skepticism. You know, wait a second. Who is this guy? You know, he's coming in. You know, who is he? And, and rank and file Republicans might have been skeptical for a for a moment. But then they heard him. And then the relentlessness and the tenacity and and how he wanted to be with people on a Friday and a Saturday night. I mean, I feel like you're winning people over in a similar manner that, you know, oh, wait a second. Oz is friends with Oprah. Well, they were saying the same thing about Trump. And then they get to know you and you break through. Is that happening? Is exactly what's happening. It's why we're ahead in the polls. It's why lots of people come to the, the, the town halls that we have. They're they're skeptical, skeptical in a good way. They're curious. Is a better word. They want to know what you're up to because yeah, you got all these uh, friends that you know. Are you really a Hollywood person? I say first of all, I've never lived in Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, I have a Hollywood star just like Ronald Reagan does right down the street, and, Joe, and Donald Trump does. But I've never lived there. My sensibilities are yours. I grew up in the area. And most importantly, I'll fight for you. And when President Trump, and he wrote that announcement letter himself and even the speech on Saturday, he's very, uh, Friday rather, he's very involved in the words. He picks them on purpose. He said, I was smart, tough, and I'll never let you down. And those phrases are picked on purpose because you can be smart, but if you're not tough, who cares? And if you're tough, but you, you know, when you're being pressured by the liberals, you give in on things that are most important to parents and the like, well, then you're not doing your job. And he, he always stood up. That's why he was so polarizing in many ways because he never said i'm just going to back down on this one i'll give it on this one and then he realized my goodness they're fighting against me at every step they don't want me to do what i'm doing and that really gets him when people who should be brave americans are being attacked 
by insiders who would rather carry the status quo into the future, even though they know it doesn't work for many in the country. Again, the affluent do just fine either way. It's the working street guys like here where I am in Gettysburg, you know, southern part of Pennsylvania. They suffer. They struggle. And there's no one there for them. They're waiting for their turn, and it never comes. President Trump stood up and said, we can make America great. We can make Pennsylvania great again. It can be the, the, the commonwealth um, of its, you know, of its, of, of, you know, of its creation, you know, understanding and, and believing in itself. Instead, a lot of people in Pennsylvania, to move up, they move out. And he doesn't want that. And when he saw that happening to me, the attacks and the, the wanton disregard for the truth, and it's not just the media attacks. That's normal. I'm talking about campaign-funded attacks by insiders and tens of millions of dollars of it. You start to wonder, why would someone spend tens of millions of dollars against a candidate? in the primary. What's he doing that scares them so much? And that's the question Pennsylvanians are asking, and they're answering for themselves because they got sick and tired of being inundated with narratives they know aren't true. Can I ask you one thing? Look, the people, the thing that they, they really want to hit you on, and I need no explanation because I totally understand the situation, but your uh, Turkish citizenship, uh, co-citizenship, whatever it is, what do you say to people who are seeing these ads from McCormick and saying, oh, boy, what's this all about? They're bigoted. I mean, Pennsylvania was founded on the concept of religious freedom. Welcome uh, the people with different backgrounds. My heritage is something I'm proud of. My parents were immigrants to this country, legal immigrants. My dad was recruited as a doctor, uh, and I'm proud of that. And the fact that I was born into that citizenship, use it to protect my mom with Alzheimer's, makes me a good son. I can love my mom and love my country, the America that we all love at the same time. Dr. Roz, seven days to go. Uh, you're not taking any time off, are you? No. Pushing through the, through the put the pedal to the metal, pushing through the wire. We love it. Good luck, Dr. Roz. Dr. Roz, check out drroz.com, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. So, lots of people, by the way, uh, can be you can be a citizen of uh, one country and a citizen of another. Uh, Ted Cruz was born with dual citizenship. Um, renounce it later in life. Let's see. I know plenty of people who have dual citizenship with Ireland. My wife has dual citizenship with Australia. She's as American as they come. Hardcore. Boy, oh boy. I mean, <laughs> talk about make America great again. Uh, let's see. So with, with uh, Dr. Roz, one of the reasons is he has a mother in Turkey who I believe has dementia. And, you know, when you're caring for a mother uh, in another country, it does make it easier for a number of reasons, for power of attorney, travel, all kinds of things to maintain that citizenship. Uh, he has said that arrangements have been made if he wins that uh, even though he doesn't have to, he should not. Uh, he will, um, I guess, rescind that citizenship. But um, he was born in America. His parents came here to make a uh, a better life for themselves and for their children, and what a success story, huh? Uh, he also came out and said in a video at a rally, he said, look, I got, uh, you know, we all have issues, and I've got a sister, and she's got emotional issues. And, in fact, at times the family's had a restraining order against her. She lives in Turkey. Those are things that I have to contend with from time to time. And it was interesting. You know, you can see a guy like Dr. Oz and think, wow, he's got it all. Well, no. Everybody's got stuff they've got to deal with, including him. So uh, I like him a lot. We'll see what happens. I think he's on his way. I do. Marianne in Cliffside Park, hello. 
Hi, Greg. Uh, my husband seems to think that Dr. Oz is a uh, liberal in disguise. Okay. But you, I, he doesn't, I like Dr. You yes. do like him. Sorry. I do. Yeah. I do, and I'm and I'm a big Trump supporter, and I, you know, I trust Donald Trump. But he said at the rally, which I saw Trump at the rally, but I missed Dr. Oz. He said he got booed by the crowd. No, I was watching the rally. Dr. Oz was not booed by the crowd. The headline is, I watched the entire rally. By the way, you know, could two people have booed and I didn't hear it? Sure. I've seen Trump booed at a Trump rally. When he started talking about the vaccines, you know, you got to get the vaccine. I mean, do it if you want. I did it. It worked for me. But it's your choice. You know, he he actually got booed at his own rally. So you can't go like, well, six guys booed. It doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? My not husband, yeah, your husband. Likes, what? Yeah. Well, I don't go by him anyway. So. Yeah. Well, I, hey, let's face it. It's moot because you both live in New Jersey. I, I figured I'd ask you because you would say, you know, tell me the truth. <laughs> no, listen, I'm telling you the truth. I did not hear. Uh, I did not hear booing. I did hear booing of Donald Trump when he was pro vaccine, when he said, look, I, it's your choice. I'm for the vaccine. They actually booed Donald Trump. I did uh, notice that, uh, you know, Trump laid into Dave McCormick and the whole idea about him being in disguise, like he really wants to be a liberal. You know, I'm sorry, Dr. Oz does not need this. All right. I mean, he's rich and he's famous. Most people go into politics to achieve what he already has, what Donald Trump already has. You think he's going to go out of his way to betray people to get elected so he can say, ah, screw you. I believe in this. Ha, 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 ha. To go through this kind of trouble, I, it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I don't hear you. What? The former Secretary of State Pompeo saying that he voted in Turkey. What does that mean? Well, let me say this about Dr. Um, well, first of all, if you have uh, Dr. Oz has not disguised the dual citizenship thing. He's got it. He has it. Just like I know people who have dual citizenship with Ireland. And by the way. Turkey is an ally of the United States. It seems to be glossed all over in this. You know, what they're trying to do is play on people's prejudices. Ooh, Turkey, foreign, different. They look different, eat different food. I don't trust Turkey. Well, you know what? I trust Turkey. I trusted them when they supported the United States during Operation Northern Watch when our planes were taking off from Turkey. I supported them when... They had the 4th Infantry Division in Turkey who came into Iraq from the north, even though the invasion was a silly idea. They supported America. Turkey is an ally of the United States. you got to remember that. As for Mike Pompeo, as for Mike Pompeo, i got to tell you, I'm very disappointed in him. And I wonder about that guy, quite frankly. Here he is. He's out there saying that he may run for president even if Donald Trump runs. Now, what in the hell kind of guy is that? Mike Pompeo, Trump made you politically. You were a nowhere congressman in Kansas. He gave you CIA. He made you State Department secretary. You would not have gotten those things had Donald Trump not. And now you're going to turn and run against him. You know, and I th- I think what happened is, to be honest, uh, is when he lost all that weight, Marianne, a little of it came from his brain. I'm serious. I mean, this guy, sometimes if you lose, who the hell loses 120 pounds when they're 64 years old? Nobody does that. 
Nobody does that unless you lose. I think he lost some of his mojo as well. I really do. Or he has health issues. Who knows? No, 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 no. This was a cosmic. This was a he went on a diet. He didn't get sick. This is like I'm going on a diet. Now, how did he lose the pounds? I don't know. Somebody somebody theorized he took the uh, diabetes drug, Ozemptec. Is that what it's called? That really restricts your. It's like, look, remember when Al Sharpton lost all that weight? He well, looks like he, he reminds me of that. Maybe he has diabetes, you know. Maybe no, that's no, 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 no. You don't lose that kind of weight for diabetes. No, 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 no. I know people with diabetes. This is you can take the Ozempic drug, which is for diabetes. If you don't have diabetes, and Even actually, and and you, can, and you can, yes, 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 you can, and you can lose weight. There are a lot of guys out there. They used to be fat. Now they're small. I see it all the time. I actually thought about taking this thing myself, but I won't do it. I don't like that. You got to get a shot once a week. I'm not going to do that. And all the people who have lost the weight, some look good, but some look weird. You look very good. You oh. look good on TV. I think you look wonderful. Thank you, Marianne. Hey, thank you. You're and, welcome. Hey, do oh, one more thing, Marianne, about for your yes. husband. Go, if you yes. if you Google Donald Trump and Oprah, seventy five thousand yes. pictures are going to come up of Donald Trump and Oprah. Same thing for I know, I saw, right, right. Yeah. They're friends. It's okay to be friends with people you disagree yeah, with politically. Yeah, exactly. The same thing for Doctor Oz. You know, and they're like, I don't believe he's friends with Oprah. Relax, relax, relax. He's a good man, and he's an expert. I mean, he can take out your heart, fix it, and put it back in. Who the hell can do right. that, huh? Right. You think Mitt I, Romney? I, I feel good about uh, Doctor Oz. I was just, you know, I couldn't believe my husband saying this. You know, yeah, I had a. Yeah. Wow. I appreciate it, Marianne. Thank you so much. Call All anytime. Right. You're good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, do we have any more of that? Uh, Trump on? Nah, never mind. Uh, oh, what about the firefighter who is defending the church? Here's a firefighter. When he's not def- when he's not fighting fires, he's protecting people who go to church. You don't get much better than that. Okay. What do I do with my spare time? I don't stand in front of a church keeping the bad people. I don't do that. I wish I did that. I don't do that. But this guy did that. And I probably I should have done it this weekend because churches were under attack. Can I hear what happened, please? So you got the anti-abortion nutjobs going uh, insane. And they want to rush the church. They want to break in and they want to run up and down the aisle saying crazy stuff. And you got this guy out in front with a couple of his buddies. He's wearing a firefighter uh, sweatshirt, right? Okay, go ahead. Hey, not the church, not the state. The people of this other faith. I am the people. I am the people. I am the people. The people have decided. The court has decided. You lose. We take no choice. We take no choice. You have no choice. Okay, all right, all right. What did these? Everything he was. Everything was fine. He said, "I'm the people. The people have have decided. You lose. This is all fine. Everything he said was fine. I mean, he's not a, a, essentially correct, but it doesn't matter. He's just a guy on a stoop saying stuff. This is still America. They're trying to get him fired." The FDNY is conducting an official investigation. What kind of a, an investigation is it, by the way, if they say immediately he's not a firefighter, but we're still investigating? What's going on with that? That's They're, they're so used to dishonesty and lying. Uh, let's see here. You lose. You. It's not your body. 
not your choice. That's what he says, and that's what people are saying. He should be fired for that. Again, he's a firefighter. This is outside of his expertise, okay? Not your body. I can defend that. I can defend that. I can defend that. He's talking about the baby's body, the fetus, okay? No, that's not yours. That's everybody's. That's life's. That's God's. That's you can't. No, that's not up to you. Not your choice? Well, yeah, Roe v. Wade would take away the option of abortion. And for a lot of people in this country, you don't hear from them very often because the fake news pretends they don't exist. I was watching yesterday. I thought Martha Raddatz and Chuck Todd and the rest of them were going to uh, have a fake news stroke all at the same time. They were hyperventilating about this. All the conversations were so skewed, so unfair. That opinion, by the way, is a beautiful opinion. I encourage everybody to read it. It's 98 pages. It'll take a while. There will be portions you don't understand. I didn't understand a third of it. I mean, these guys are huge brain. Ever listen to a Supreme Court oral argument? They go down rabbit holes real quick. You think you understand this. Oh, you know, uh, uh, Milwaukee versus uh, the porno theater. Okay, I'll, I, I can listen to this. I can figure this one out. No, you can't. <laughs> they start talking about the minute da- details of the Ninth Amendment and the Eighth. It just gets totally out of hand, and you don't know what they're talking about. Well, when they finally write it, it's generally, you can you can comprehend it. All right. Oh, I did see 2,000 Mules this weekend. It was fantastic. Um it was good. I mean, there were some parts that were a little bit long. But anyway, the important thing is Dinesh D'Souza, Sebastian Gorka, Eric Metaxas, Dennis Prager, and some other great people uh, put together a, an extremely compelling case that the 2020 election was stolen. So go to 2000mules.com, figure out a way to watch the movie. It's not necessarily intuitive. I watched it live as it was, it was they, they streamed it live. And I thought it was great. Glenn is calling from Baldwin. Glenn, and it says 2,000 mules under your name. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it. I, 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 you know, we all had, we all knew something happened, something went wrong in the middle of the night. And you have to, anyone listening has to watch this documentary. He did a great job, and it's all based on science. That geopolitical, I mean, geo, whatever it is, tracking with the cell phones, unbelievable. Yeah, and those guys, those guys who were, um, let me see, they were they were dropping off multiple ballots, you know, and taking pictures of the ballots in these drop boxes. Why the hell do we have drop boxes for ballots for votes? Come on, it was they played so many games. Um, now I liked the movie very much. Now, be honest though, look, any movie I liked, I liked Jaws, but there were parts of the movie the movie I didn't like. I thought some of the conversations went on too long when they were sitting around that table. Remember when they were sitting around that table? I looked at my watch. It was like yes. uh, it's like a half hour. They're talking about it. I mean, like, come on. I think they made the mistake of holding back some of the best stuff until the end. I think they could have possibly. But but look, I'm nitpicking. You know, God bless Dinesh D'Souza and his team for doing this, for having the guts. Because yeah, we live in a country where you start talking about malfeasance in the 2020 election, you're on thin ice, and that should not be. Why is it that the left can pretend that the 2016 election was all screwed up and actually have federal investigations and hoaxes and all kinds of things? And Letitia James can go on television and say Joe Biden is an illegitimate president. And if I were to say that, I mean, I'm sorry, Donald Trump, an illegitimate president. 
I tested it to see what would happen if I, let's just say, nobody wants me saying that. All right, Glenn, final word. Yeah, YouTube canceled it. Of course, you can't find it anywhere. But Dinesh, he deserves whatever it is at a fee of $29 to get it. Um, They did a fantastic job, I think. Yeah. Everybody watch it. Thanks a lot, Greg. You bet. Go to 2000mules.com, 2000mules, M-U-L-E-S.com. See what it's all about. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly. This is the Greg Kelly Show. Uh, hi. A couple of updates. Uh, churches are reevaluating security for next weekend because it was. Uh, a horrible weekend at churches all over the country. Nut jobs in those silly uh, Hulu. What the hell is the name of that show again? Uh, Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, the, yeah, we can only have children when the government tells us to. They love citing the Handmaid's Tale. Give me a break. And they love pretending that Mike Pence is Darth Vader. Shut up. All right. This guy has his religious views. We all believe in the separation of church and state. Um, I heard a guy, you know, Christian Amanpour, man, when are they going to figure out that she is a big phony? All right. Christian Amanpour has a nice accent that I assume that she works on maintaining because, you know, she lives in Brooklyn now and she still sounds like she's from Persia and she's always talking about, uh, the infidels and the, the horrible, uh, extremist, uh, governments of the United States, um, she is outraged about this whole thing, and I am not. I really am not. You have to look at the opinion, and there's that beautiful line at the end. It says, we believe this matter is best left to the people and their elected representatives. Well, me too. Okay? That's the way I want it. All right, so look, it's 2.51. I got to get ready for the Newsmax show. We are going to uh, do a little bit on Mark Esper, do a little bit on... Uh, I'll show you some highlights of protests over the years, how it's just dandy if you're uh, protesting in favor of abortion. They love that. If you're protesting uh, against police, they love that. You can throw a firebomb at a police car. Oh, that's great. That's social justice. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, But the moment you show up at the Capitol as a Trump supporter and you've got doubts about the election, you are You are an insurrectionist. You know, there's a poor guy. He's like 75 years old. Now, he shouldn't have brought Molotov cocktails to the uh, Capitol, but he did leave them in his car. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to use these today. And he just kind of walks up to the Capitol, mopey, and um, he's still in jail. He's still in jail, 70-something years old. It looks like he's going to be there for several years. If only, if only... He had thrown them at a cop car in New York City, in Brooklyn, in the summer of 2020. He'd be out of jail right now. Be like those two lawyers. They were processed in about two hours. And they're walking around, eating, drinking, hanging out. You know? Again, got to be on the right side of this stuff, and then the authorities will cooperate. All right, I do have to wrap it up. Let's just go to Kevin in Brooklyn real quick. Kevin, yes, hi. Hey, Greg, you know, even if we're in total agreement that Adam's crime policy is a failure, don't you think it's not effective for the criticism, especially against a guy 
whose image matters to him so much, and it prevents him from being able to sit down with someone like Rudy, who knows what he's doing, and get help from him. Wouldn't we all be in a better place if we convince the guy to sit down with somebody like Rudy Giuliani and listen? And all of this feminine criticism about him is going to make him go in completely the opposite direction from doing that. Wait, wait, wait. I don't understand what you're saying. Wait, what? We should not criticize him because you, we want to play psychological. We're going to play a psychological game. So we're not going to criticize him so that he will seek out Rudy and listen to him. Is that your plan? Not a psychological game. Well, but that's your plan, though. Your, 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 your idea is don't criticize him, and that will make him more amenable to sitting down with Rudy and listening to him, correct? Well, not that not criticize him, but saying he's an abject failure in the post. I mean, Well, he is an abject failure. No, 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 no. Look, this is the big leagues, pal, all right? You're the New York City mayor. You are going to get criticized, all right? Even successful mayors get criticized, okay? Now, it's his choice. He wanted this job his whole life. He is the mayor. He is not doing anything. He is a party boy. Now, I do not have the time, the bandwidth, the sophistication, or the skill to play that psychological game. It is a psychological game. If I don't say this, then maybe Eric will feel this way, and then maybe if it's raining, Eric will drop by and listen to what Rudy has to say. No. And Rudy, by the way, was supportive initially. He was. He gave him the courtesy of you know one former mayor to another. It's We're almost six months in. And the guy is out to lunch, okay? He's doing that thing at, at in the club with the models and the bottles. He doesn't take you seriously, me seriously, or his job seriously, all right? He's screwing around in Los Angeles with Michael Milken, you know, dabbling in Bitcoin. This guy does not care. And if he did sit down with Rudy, I don't think he has the intellect to absorb what Rudy's talking about. I don't. So, uh, you know, sorry, we, we disagree, but Kevin, I appreciate it. Uh, Stephen is in Manhattan. Yes, Stephen. Thanks for taking a call. And I just wanted to bring up a couple of uh, points. About, Make it one. I got to go. Uh, why then are women so cruel? Are they <laughs> so cruel as to think nothing about killing an unborn? It's very cruel, and none of that is brought up, you know? Well, look, I think in our culture today that doesn't talk about the fetus, that doesn't talk about the baby, as a woman could potentially be lulled into a sense of you know, complacency, and this is, not, this is not killing, this is not that, this is a medical procedure, this is, this is my choice, this is women's rights— you know, they don't exactly emphasize uh, what actually happens during the abortion to, <laughs> when you go in for an abortion. You know, they don't talk about the skull that they're about to crush or the poison that they're about to use. They don't do any of that. And there's a woman who spoke during the convention, the 2020 Republican convention. I think her name was Natalie Harp. She spoke about it. She actually had an abortion. and I think she did. Or she monitored an abortion and she spoke about it in the most powerful way. But I, in a, you know, in a weird way, I don't think the women are cruel. I, I think they're just a little bit clueless. Uh, Chris has something to say about this too. Hi, Chris. Hi. Uh, just want to say that uh, Reagan, Ronald Reagan, once said that 
the people who are against abortion all seem to have been born. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Reagan. Well, he had a point. One more, Christine. She's been on the hold uh, hold for a long time. Christine, you're the last call. I got to go. What's up? Hi, good afternoon. When did it become okay for people that didn't like what happened with the leaked document to go in front of the Supreme Court Justice Houses to sit and protest? I mean, that's sickening. You know, and I think, quite frankly, it's against the law. I'm a big free speech guy, but there is a provision in the law that says you can't do that. It amounts to uh, intimidation of a government official. They got a lot of January 6th people, I think, on similar things. I got to go. I'll see you tonight on Newsmax at 7. Thank you.